All right. Well, good morning, everyone. Can you guys hear me okay? All right. Well, would you guys go ahead and open your Bibles to uh, James chapter 3, verses 1 to 12. As we continue our study through the epistle of James called Faith Works. And uh, before we actually dig into the passage this morning, uh, I just want to, you know, the Bible said to honor to whom honor is due. And uh, you see that handsome young man that brought up the podium. Uh, Judah turned 13 yesterday. And I um, officially have a teenager in our home. I'm officially a parent of a teenager. But, uh, you know, my son Judah became a teenager yesterday. And we're just so proud of the young man that he's becoming into, a, a young man of God. And just what a tender, kind, uh, considerate um, young man that he is you know for his birthday we've been asking him hey you're 13 you know we're you know we're gonna celebrate our jewish roots uh you know you're gonna have a bar mitzvah bar son mitzvah commandment we're gonna treat you like an adult so yesterday you know uh we went he had a sleepover with some friends and i let him drive my truck in in um sherwoods and uh, as he was driving through the parking lot I was like hey and we've been asking him hey judah what do you want for your birthday what do you want for your birthday it's gonna be an amazing time and and two things he wanted to do for his birthday and they were all last minute one is he wanted to have a pizza party with his friends i'm like oh why do you want to have a pizza party right uh, where renee got all this dough and different it's almost like pyology and stuff and he goes oh because uh Ezra, the youngest brother, four years old, was watching YouTube Kids, and he was lo looking at a pizza party. He goes, I want to do a pizza party. And it's like, you want to do that, Ezra? He goes, yeah, okay, okay we'll have a, one for my birthday tonight. And the second thing that he did, my son Judah, is um, he had a sleepover because the middle child, Noah, who's 11 years old, he is all about uh, having friends come over and playing Nintendo Switch and stuff. And so for his birthday, he wanted to include his middle brother and have his middle brother's friends diesel and gavin come over and have a sleepover last night and so um you may not know this but uh my kids did not choose to be pastor's kids <laughs> they had no say in this um and they were born into it you know we wake up our kids at 4.45 on Sunday mornings. The chairs that you're sitting on have been put on by our team, but also by our, our kids. Um, and, um, you know, our kids, pastor's kids get a lot of flack, and, but I just wanted to, um, you know, say how proud I am of my son Judah. And uh, make sure you go give him a high five, all right? So tell him happy birthday. Anyways... So the premise of our series in James, Faith Works, is that faith actually, for real kind, it works in everyday life. That faith is not just a theory, faith is not just a concept, it's not just an idea, but faith is a substance, it's the conviction that drives our lives, it affects the way we think, it affects the way we talk, it affects how we spend our time, and faith works in everyday life. And I know that churches usually get a bad rep, especially in the media, but I want to start off this morning with some good news in how faith actually does work in real life, in everyday life, with things like money. Now, Stetson Baptist Church had an interesting problem in 2018 and 2019 fiscal year. 
because of the quirks in the calendar, they had 53 weeks instead of the usual 52 to collect tithes and offerings from its members. So the pastor, Dan Glenn, decided that his church should launch a 53rd Sunday campaign and use the extra money to raise money for two community causes. So within the seven campuses, the church in tithes was able to raise $153,867. They raised on the bonus week to two separate initiatives. Half of the money went to a Florida Baptist children's home, which supported local foster care. But check this out. The second half, about 87,000, went to the charity group RIP Medical Debt, rest in peace medical debt. The organization works with donors to purchase outstanding medical debt from at-need families. Oftentimes, they could get it for pennies at a dollar, but once they settle it, they could forgive and clear the debt entirely. So check this out. With the extra money, their faith at work, the church was able to help cancel more than $7 million in medical debt and served and provided for 6,500 families. Faith works in real life. There's another church in Indiana. They helped pay off $7.8 million in medical debt for nearly 6,000 families across the state. They raised $40,000 in donations. You see here, um, faith is not just something to believe in. But faith is something that drives us. Faith is something that compels us. When you believe in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus, when you believe in the good news, it changes you from the inside out, that it affects your everyday life. Now this morning, we're going to talk about James chapter 3. And James chapter 3 continues with contaminants that kill a community or any relationships for that matter. So whether you belong to a family, whether you're a parent or a child here this morning, or you're a husband and wife, whether you're in the workplace, where you have your own business, there are two things that would kill a culture, that would destroy relationships. And James chapter 2 talked about the first one, which is what? Favoritism. If you favor a child over another, if you favor one employee over another, that is going to kill the culture of your church. That's going to kill the culture of your home. That's going to cause so much dysfunction of where you're living. If you're a business owner, the second thing that I'll talk, um, James talks about this uh, in James 3 is the tongue and how we are to tame the tongue. And that life and death are found in the tongue. So let's go ahead and stand together if you're able. And let's read uh, just in honor and reverence of God's word, James chapter 3, verses 1 through 12. James chapter 3, verses 1 to 12. All right, we'll read from the ESV version. Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness or greater judgment. For we all stumble in many ways, and if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man, able also to bridle his whole body. If we put bits into the mounts of horses so that they obey us, we guide their whole bodies as well. 
Look at the ships also. Though they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are guided by a very small rudder wherever the will of the pilot directs. So also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great things. How great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire. And the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life, and set on fire by hell. For every kind of beast and bird of reptile and sea creature can be tamed and has been tamed by mankind, but no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil, full of deadly poison. With it, we bless our Lord and Father, and with it, we curse people who are made in the image or in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come blessing and cursing. My brothers, these things ought not to be so. Does a spring forth, pour forth from the same opening both fresh and salt water? Can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives, or a grapevine produce figs? Neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you, God, for your words. We thank you, Lord God, that even though heavens and earth pass away, your words will never pass away. The grass withers, the flowers fade, but the word of the Lord endures forever. We thank you, Lord God, that not only have you saved our souls, but you save us from destruction. Lord, that you enjoy for us and you have intended for us to thrive in our relationships, that we have healthy marriages, that we have healthy parenting, healthy families, that we live in a healthy work environment in the marketplace or in the workplace, that in our relationships here at church, oh Lord God, that we're to thrive because you have come to give us life abundant. And so, Father, I pray, Lord, as we go through this very difficult issue of taming the tongue, that we submit ourselves to your spirit. Lord, we confess we cannot control the tongue. We confess, oh Lord God, it is only by your grace, through your spirit, that we're able to, Lord, um, be self-controlled in this area. So, Father, we pray that you would strengthen us, you would open our eyes, that we would see wonderful things from your law. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. So the average person, now I'm talking about the average person, okay? Uh, not the overly talkative person one or the super shy person, but the median, the average person spends one-fifth of their life talking or communicating. Now, talking does not just mean verbally talking, but when you text someone, when you email someone, you are communicating. One-fifth of your life is spent communicating and talking. So if all of our words were put into one print, the result would be this. A single day's words, one day of you, after a 24-hour period, it would fill a 50-page book. Just after one day. Why? Because of all the words that come out of our mouth and how we communicate. In a year's time, 
average person would fill 132 books of 200 pages each from the words that come out of our mouth. That's just the average. You know, some of you are like, uh, you know, that's not me. You know, I'd have written four books in a decade. Others of you are like, man, I talk so much. I just like talking. I process things out. I could fill a whole library of the words that I say. But the point is this, that we, you and I, we are constantly talking. We're constantly communicating, whether text, whether email, whether tweets, whether social media posts, whether talking to your coworkers, talking to your children, talking to your spouse, talking to your neighbor. One-fifth of our time, we're always talking, always communicating. And the power of the tongue is this, that with a tongue, we could either bless and build people up and bring them life, or the flip side is that we could curse and tear them down and destroy them and destroy that relationship. Some of us are external processors. Some of us are internal processors. My wife is an external processor. She has to talk things out and then to, to determine how she feels about certain things and just talk. Me, I am an internal processor. I like to think things and sometimes it takes me like a day or two days, sometimes a week until I find out what's really going on in my heart and how I really feel about something. But despite the fact one-fifth of my time, of your time, is spent in talking. So, it shouldn't be surprising then that James chapter 3, and also James chapter 1, he talks a lot about the tongue and the mouth, and the heart which is rooted to your tongue and to my tongue. So I have two points in these 12 verses this morning regarding the tongue. And so would you write down number one, regarding words coming from the tongue, that words reveal the maturity of your faith. That the words that come out of your mouth, whether it's volume, whether it's in the quantity, or the quality of the words that come out of your mouth, it reveals your spiritual maturity. It reveals the progress of your faith because Jesus says what comes out of, out of the abundance of the mouth, the heart speaks. Because what really comes out of here, it's because it's rooted in here. And let's look at James chapter uh, 3, verses 1. It says, not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. So James here, he starts off with a negative command. Hey, don't be a teacher. Don't be a, a Bible study leader. Don't be a pastor. Don't be an elder at the church because if you have been given a speaking capacity, then you will come under greater judgment and you your the weight of the words that you carry will be that much more deeper so many times my wife renee reminds me babe you you, you don't have to yell at the kids just talk to them your words have so much weight your authority as a father the mantle that you have as a father to a son, it carries so much weight. 
And James says here, before he gets into the tongue, because the, the situation here is that there was a lot of false teachers, they're called antinomian. Antinomian meanings against the law. They're just like, you don't need to follow the Ten Commandments. You don't need to follow the law. Just you're, you're free in Christ. Do whatever you want. And then so these false teachers started speaking and teaching false doctrines, and it, it destroyed, and it started to divide the Christian community. But James here is talking about, hey, first and foremost, man, you know how serious the tongue is? We need workers. What did Jesus say? The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Did they need Christian pastors and teachers and elders back then? Yes, they did. But James says, hey, don't desire this thing. Don't want to be this thing because the words that are coming out of your mouth, your countenance, what you say, man, you're going to come under stricter judgment. Everybody else is going to be judged up here, just uh, your regular average Christ follower. If you be a believer in Jesus, you're, down, you're here, but when you, believe, when you begin to teach and you have spiritual authority, your judgment and your strictness will become greater. And look at verse 2. It says, For we all stumble in many ways, and if anyone does not stumble in what he says... So what James is saying here is what? We all fall, Right? We all miss the mark. We all fall short, especially in what we say, right? And if anyone doesn't stumble what he says, he is a perfect man. The word perfect there, that, mean, that just simply means that you are mature, that there is a maturity in your walk, able to bridle his whole body. Look at 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 16. Paul tells Timothy, hey, Timothy, keep a close watch I believe the NIV says, pay close attention to two things, on yourself and on your teaching. Pay a close attention to your character, on who you are, and also on, the, on your, the content of what you're teaching. Persist in this. When you watch leaders, when you watch what you say and how you, what you say and how you live your life, Persist in this, for by so doing, you will save both yourself and your hearers. That how you live your life and what you say, it starts off with leadership, but I believe it carries down this principle to our everyday life if you're a mother in this place, if you're a father, two things you got to watch out for. Your character, who you are. Number two is what you say to your kids. Because Paul says when you do these things, you're ensuring the salvation of those who hear you or those who you are leading so, man, none of this, do what I say, don't do what I do. Oh, you better stop vaping, but you still smoke cigarettes, right? There's none of this incongruity of what you say and how you live your life, that these, these things, they should match up and go together. Why? Because your words reveal your maturity, 
Jesus talked about this, right? Look at Luke chapter 6, verse 45. The good person out of the good treasure of his heart produces good. And the evil person out of his evil treasure produces evil. Why? For out of the abundance of the heart, his mouth speaks. Why are words so powerful? They're not powerful simply because they're vibrations in the air as we interpret certain words. They're powerful because our heart is connecting to another soul. This is what I think about you. Our words reveal what's really going on in our hearts. Now think about what a precious grace that is, you guys. Think about the gift that your words reflect what's going on in your heart. Because words reveal your spiritual maturity. So you don't have to wonder if a person is always angry all the time. If a person is always angry, always complaining, and always vitriol is coming out of their mouth, and everything is, is negative, you can't chalk it up to, oh, I, I just, I'm stressed out at work. Oh, you know what? Uh, I've changed my diet. I do keto now and just messing up my, my imbalance, right? You can't chalk it up to, oh, you know, I'm not getting enough sleep. Oh, it's, it's so stressful at work. That's why I'm so angry all the time. The Bible, Jesus said... What comes out of your mouth, it's because it's rooted to the person of who you are. So if you find yourself always complaining, if you find yourself always talking stink, if you find yourself always degrading, if you find yourself always looking at the, pessimist, uh, the pessimistic way of looking things and always just like, Lord, my words reveal what's in my heart. If you cannot find it in your mouth to celebrate with your peers or to celebrate with those who you're in competition with, and you're always like, well, it's me. you know, if somebody was just like, oh, bro, you, you check out my new truck. And if you're like, well, good luck with the payments on that for the next seven years, am I right? Am I right? If that's you, it's probably because you have a heart of jealousy. If you're always like, oh, phew, look at her, look at her, she's helicopter mom, and look at her, I just let my kids go, and you know, and, and if you're always judging other moms, it's because deep in your heart of hearts, you're a judgmental person. It's rooted in who you are. Your words reveal your character and your spiritual maturity. That's why James says, man, don't even, don't even be a teacher, bro. Sis, don't even try to aspire to teach because you will come under stricter judgment. You know, uh, we had some friends over and uh, we went to Bible college with, and we graduated uh, 2003, and one of our classmates, he's become super, super successful. He's a mega pastor and he's a celebrity, celebrity pastor. He started a church in um, Hollywood called Zoe Church. Justin Bieber goes to his church. Chris Pratt goes to his church. 
Um, and uh, he was on the news, uh, Chris Pratt promoting uh, uh, Avengers and goes, oh, my pastor, you know, Chad Veach. And so we had people over and, you know, it's always weird because you could tell a lot from what people say. Can you believe him? Oh, and then, oh, man, he's all, he's all style, man. No substance. Oh, he's just compromising the gospel. Oh, that's all personality. Oh, see what happens when you have a personality-driven church? It's like, oh, can you join in and rejoice with what God is doing and reaching Hollywood? Or there's something within you that cannot celebrate and cannot be a part of what God is doing. James says, hey, guys, don't even desire to teach. Because, and if you're able to control your tongue, it, it reveals a lot because what you say comes from what's going down in your heart. And I've, I've learned to come to the point where, you know, oh, can you believe our classmate did this, our classmate did that, and you know, and just like, man, thank God, as Christ has preached, thank God that God is blessing their ministry. You see here that if there's jealousy, if there's dissension, if there's envy, if there's anger that's coming out of your mouth, it's because it's rooted to who you are or who I am. That's why James says, hey, be very, very careful. Look at, um, let's go to number two. Not only are words, do words reveal the maturity of our faith, but uh, most importantly, words are powerful, okay? Words are, are powerful, with them, we bless and we build up, and with them, we can curse and we can burn down. Look at um, what Proverbs says, Solomon, in Proverbs chapter 18, verse 21. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruits. Now, I did some research in preparation for this, and trying to figure out why everybody's so triggered and this, have you guys noticed? Like there's such a big anti-bullying campaign. Oh, don't be such a bully. Oh, you're a bully, right? And it's like the worst thing in the world to be a racist and a bully. And if you're both, then you're really in trouble, right? In our culture. And so I think it goes down to this. Literally in the last five years, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of stories of teenagers, of college students, and young adults have ended their lives not because of depression or deep depression, not because of, chemi of chemical imbalance, but because the incessant and constant, nonstop belittling, mocking, and tearing down by other people through social media or in their life that Death are in the power of the tongue. Literally, that there's young people who are bullied, especially through social media, shaming each other by the way they look, the way they dress, who they hang out with, and that they've literally taken off, ended their life 
Why? Because the Bible is sure that death and life are in the power of the tongue. Not only that, the Proverbs would also argue, not only do they have the power of life and death, but they have the power to wound and to heal. Let's look at Proverbs chapter 12, verse 18. There is one whose rash words are like sword thrusts. Oh, you're so stupid. I regret marrying you. We should just get a divorce. I regret being your parents. I regret ever being born. There is one whose rash words are like sword thrust, but the tongue of the wise, what? Brings healing. Words can wound, and if we're honest, all of us could probably think back when someone wounded us like a sword through your soul and through your heart that cut us deep and affected us. But there's a flip side to that, that we can build people up, we can encourage them through our words. Through the tongue, God can redeem the tongue. We're made in God's image, and God's spoke things into existence, amen? God said, let there be light, there was light. Let there be separation, there was separation. Let there be animals, there was animals. And we are made in God's image. And if God, if we're made Imago Dei in the image of God and we have the, the power, just like God, to speak things into existence in some way, I believe being made in the image of God when we speak life, like I'm so proud of you, son, it builds people up that the tongue can bring healing, not just uh, tear people down. Now, James, he's going to look through a couple of um, illustrations to show the power of the tongue. Okay, look at verse 3. If we put bits into the mouths of horses so that they obey us, we guide their whole bodies. Like you could control a wild beast. Look at verse 4. Look at the ships also. Though they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are guided by a very small rudder wherever the will of the pilot directs. So also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great things. Small component brings large consequence, right? How great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire. That, and I want you to look at now, in your notes, start listing down, tongue, put down tongue, and put down bullet points, starting at verse 6. Look at how James describes the tongue. So the first one, you could put the tongue is fire. It is a fire. Secondly, the tongue is a world of unrighteousness. Third, the tongue set it amongst our, our members. Or it goes against the members of the, of the body. Fourth, the tongue, it stains the whole body. Fifth, the tongue sets on fire the entire course of life. Sixth, that the tongue is set on fire by hell. Can you just see just the power and the insidious nature of the tongue? Is it because of the tongue? No, it's because of the heart. There was a teenager about two years ago 
who thought it would be a funny prank to throw light some single fireworks into a canyon. And he started one of the greatest fires in the Pacific Northwest in Oregon's Columbia River Gorge that burned nearly 47,000 acres. And he has been ordered to pay by two firecrackers or three firecrackers $36.6 million in restitution, although the judge acknowledges that the boy won't be able to pay it in full. The teen, whose name has not been released, was 15 at the time, and he threw the fireworks. Oregon's juvenile delinquency statute calls for restitution that equals the full amount of the victim's injury, loss, or damage as determined by the courts. He was sentenced to 1,920 hours of community service and five years of probation by a couple of fireworks. It, it, the tongue is a fire. A great forest is set ablaze by such a small fire. Just think about these simple words. I want a divorce. Simple words. Tell your children, why are you like that? You're so stupid. Burns people up. Simple words. I regret meeting you or marrying you. I wish you were never my friend and the fire that it causes. This is the power of the tongue, all right? Let's go ahead and close in verse eight through 12 here. But no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. With it, we bless our Lord and Father, and with it, we curse people who are made in the image in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come blessing and cursings my brothers, these things ought not to be so. Does the spring pour forth from the same opening, both fresh and salt water? Can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives, or a grapevine produce figs? Neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. So what James is saying, hey, if you have been born again, if God, when you believe in Jesus and God has performed heart transplant on you, and if he has given you a new heart before you had a rigid, you had a calloused, stoned heart against the things of God. But when you believe in Jesus, he gives you a new heart and he transforms you from the inside out. And so what James is saying, hey, be who you are in Christ Jesus. God has made you clean and pure. You have a new heart. He's transformed you from the inside out. Live that out through your words and through your actions in blessing one another, not cursing. And I'll close with this, that let's go back to the gospel of Jesus. Let's go back. Could I just make a very, could we just be honest here? I think we've been pretty honest this message, right? Oftentimes, as parents like me, I want 
behavior modification. Change your behavior. Don't say holy crap, say holy cow, whatever. You know, like we want to change and modify their behavior. But could I challenge us, not, not only in our parenting, but apply it to ourselves. Don't reach for behavior modification. Desire inward transformation. You know, there was a season, I don't know what it was, my kids were just, oh, you're so stupid, you idiot. Why are you such a moron? I'm like, where do you get these words? We never said that. Moron and idiot and stupid never come out of our mouths. Where do you get it? And we're just like, oh, you know what? We're going to stop these video games. Oh, you stop the YouTube. Stop these movies. And, and, and it was frustrating. And oh, they would just say these words that would cut each other down. Oh, you retard. I'm like, oh my gosh, where are you getting these things? You're homeschooled. Where are you getting these things? It's because the heart. So instead of like, hey, we got to stop this. We got to like, hey, boys, do you believe in Jesus? Do you believe that Jesus changed your heart? Do you want to do good? Do you want to please your heavenly father? You know, all these things that you're doing, it's not a bad influence, but it's because you have a sinful heart. If you believe you guys receive Jesus, you guys have been baptized, live out the gospel, you guys. Don't just change your words. Lord, change my heart, because the words are only a result of what's going on in my heart. And so here we are as a church. James talks about favoritism, but he also talks about the tongue, that we're to bless, that we're to edify, that we're to encourage, that we're to speak life, that we're to build each other up, not act in favoritism, not talk stink, right? Not have vitriol come out of our mouth, not slandering and cutting each other down, talking smack behind each other's back, but faith works in real life that the words that come out of our mouth, it's because of what's going on in our heart. If Jesus has changed, if you have received Jesus in your life, but you're still struggling with your words, this morning, God wants to transform you. God wants to remind you. He wants to strengthen you so that you can speak life because you have been changed from the inside out. It's because you have been transformed that you could, from the inside, and God has given you life, you are now able to speak life, that you won't default back to your sinful nature, but you go back to your nature in Christ Jesus. Let's go ahead and pray. Father, we thank you for this morning. And Lord, we ask, oh God, that you, you change us. Lord, all of us are guilty. Lord, it could be a careless word. It could be a, a lifestyle of what we default to. Lord, we need you so much. So first and foremost, oh Lord Jesus, we ask for forgiveness. We as your people, Lord God, we confess the jealousy, the anger, the hatred in our hearts. 
that has expressed itself in our words. Lord, we confess, oh Lord God, that we've been walking in the old self. And so, Lord, I pray that this morning, oh God, that we would live as new creation in Christ Jesus, that we would live out, that we would be who we already are and who already we're called to be. Lord, as you have given us life, I pray that we would speak life, Lord, to one another. Lord, to our spouses, that we would encourage. Lord, that we would, that we would be the best supporters of our spouses, that we won't be the ones to point out the quickest, but we would be the best, the quickest to support. Lord, I pray, oh God, as parents, as brothers and sisters, Lord, as, as co-workers in this place, I pray, Father, that we would go back and default to new creation in Christ because of the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus, that we would speak life, that we would bless, that we would encourage, that we would refresh one another. And so, Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you, God, for your spirit at work in each one of us. Lord, would you transform us from the inside out so that we could take on the very character of Christ. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Let's all stand together.